Hi everybody, Karen Roby here for ZDNet uh, in Jason Square, talking with Jason Cipriani and Jason Perlow today. And wearables, that's what's on the agenda. Lots to talk about here. So Jason Cipriani, let's start with you. Just, you know, the landscape, who's involved here, what's to come, what do you think? Yeah, so it, it's kind of interesting if you go back four or five years and compare the landscape of who, who was who in wearables and compare it to now. You know, a lot has changed. You know, before the Apple Watch came out, Fitbit kind of ran the show. You had a lot of other one-off uh, trackers that counted steps. You either wore them in your pocket and once in a while, you know, at, you, eventually companies started releasing them to wear on your wrist. And then the Apple Watch came out and Android Wear um, was kind of taken off at the same time using different OEM partners like LG and Samsung and Motorola. Uh, but you fast forward to today and, you know, it feels like Google's all but given up on Android Wear, which is now called Wear OS. We haven't really seen any meaningful updates to the platform as a whole. Uh, the Apple Watch, as we've talked about before, has continued to evolve and grow. It's a more independent device now. We're very close to having a standalone Apple Watch, um, perhaps in the next couple of years. You have Samsung, who's still messing around with its Tizen OS that it uses for its Gear smartwatches and its Galaxy watches. Fitbit has moved on from just counting steps and tracking your sleep and heart rates to now having its own smartwatch that does all of that as well, um, which means notifications and third-party apps through uh, by or acquiring Pebble, uh, the original smartwatch company, you know, the one that kind of kickstart kickstarted this whole uh, fad, um, which now has become much more than that. Um, beyond that, actually. So, you know, the, the entire industry, in, as far as that goes, has changed quite a bit. And, and truly, I think at the end of the day, the only one that's really seeing any true success in it is Apple with the Apple Watch. You know, when I switched to an Android device for a month or two, um, while I'm, for review purposes or work or whatever, the number one thing I miss out of the entire experience is my Apple Watch, just because the entire experience is so well done on the watch you know you're able to reply to messages with these there's no bouncing back and forth between screens that are confusing do i swipe this way or that way to get through it it's kind of like android was you know in its very early days where you, when you hit the back button you never quite knew where you were going to go the same thing is true of wear os when you swipe backwards on the display you know apple has really crafted and refined what Apple Watch or Watch OS is, especially with Watch OS 6, and you know, kind of dominating, at least in my opinion, everything that's going on with smartwatches and wearables as a whole. Yeah, and, and you know, the health part of this, of course, uh, there's so much we can do to, to track our health and, and you know, keep up with things, the sensors that are coming. Uh, Jason Perlow, I know you've uh, talked a good bit about this. What are you seeing here? So it's interesting, you know, like today we have on the Apple Watch, we have the ECG sensor for, for heart rate, or electro, or electro uh, you know, cardiogram uh, sensor, it's a single lead sensor. Um, there are multiple lead sensors coming out uh, that will have you know, much more level of definition in terms of the data it can collect and the types of conditions that can also be detected by having more uh, elect electro leads um, on the ECG sensor. Um, there is also the ability coming up um, to, um, not necessarily on Apple, but in terms of the technologies that are being developed in the industry, um, oxygenation sensors. Now, there's a company that just released an oxygenation sensor. It actually resides on your forehead, and you, it's got a little tiny little bit of adhesive you can put there. And it works as an app uh, with your iPhone or with your Android. And what that does is it looks at um, what they call resting oxygenation levels. So the way that they can test to see if you're having good sleep is to see how much oxygen is in your bloodstream when you are resting. Right, because that's how much oxygen you take in. You know, determines whether or not you know you're, you're sleeping right. You know, 
uh, you're going to get tired if you, if you don't, if your oxygenation levels aren't high enough. So we will be able to get, uh, I'm sure at some point, you know, uh, in, in the wearables themselves, probably an oxygenation sensor uh, because it uses a, like a type of, uh, of an infrared uh, technology to do this. Um, there will also be uh, things such as, uh, you know, different types of, uh, of blood chemistry sensors. Um, I mean, you can, you can determine certain levels of blood chemistry from, from the electrolytes, right, and the ECGs if you have multiple leads, but you can also do it uh, with in, in terms of the blood sugar levels like you would have from a diabetic uh, meter, right? There'll be ways of actually doing blood testing in terms of blood sugar levels without actually extracting any blood, you know, um, at all. Uh, so that's, those are the types of things that they'll be able to gather. Um, there'll be other types of sensors such as, you know, galvanic skin response, um, you know, detect to see if you're anxious or anything like that. There are, there are lots of different things that they can come up with um, to, to increase uh, the amount of medical data that can be gathered by these devices for your healthcare providers or your own personal use. So we're, we're looking at a, at a very, very strong future of what I would call, you know, preventive medicine uh, using data gathering techniques, right? Now, obviously, there's, there's a certain black mirror sort of aspect to this that, you know, I think that we could get into. But in terms of how beneficial it can be, um, for the consumer in terms of being able to gather information, uh, make you more aware of, of your health and, and your lifestyle and things like that. Um, the, it's just, they're just going to get more and more sophisticated uh, within the next few years. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's really fascinating, Jason, uh, with that, because, you know, we talk so much now about how AI is helping doctors, you know, to go through scans quicker, to uh, go through claims data so that they can uh, make a diagnosis much quicker, and the, the doctors are able to spend much more time doing those things. And, and, you know, with this, the things that you're talking about, too, you know, this can help so much on the preventative end. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the companies that's really pioneering, uh, pioneering this right now is a company called AliveCore. Um, well, AliveCore actually made the very first band for Apple Watch that had the ECG sensor in it before Apple uh, had the, they actually, the sensor is actually made by a company called Omron. Um, and I don't know if Apple uses Omron's sensor, but the band that they use and also the little credit card device that they produced to do uh, ECG tests, right, that, would, that, blew, that device actually Bluetooths to your phone. And they have a cloud-based service where you can store your ECGs and a uh, a clinician can look at those ECGs online of all his patients to see uh, how they're doing with compliance and, 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 and testing and, 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 and ongoing uh, electro, uh, uh, electrocardiogram uh, monitoring uh, of patients that certain, you know, people that have serious arrhythmias that need to be monitored on a regular basis, um, they can look at those. So um, there will be um, other devices coming out from AliveCore. Then they're going to reintroduce a new version of that credit card center. They actually they call it a six-lead ECG. So it's actually got three electrodes on it. And so it's actually going to be placed on your, your leg or, you know, on, or on a surface on, on another part of your body where you can have essentially three, three elect electrode contacts. Now that three electrode contacts translates to six streams of data, right? Right now you can only get one stream of data out of the Apple Watch. So with that one stream of data, Apple Watch can currently baseline and determine if you have atrial fibrillation. If you have additional streams of data, there are other things that you can diagnose, such as hyperkalemia, uh, which is a when you have too much, I believe, uh, potassium in your bloodstream, that causes infant death and, and, and other, you know, there's a certain amount of death year that is caused by this. So you can have early diagnosis. And that's actually a blood chemistry condition that is exposed by the heart electro, electro data, right? Um, there's another condition also called long QT syndrome, 
that can be diagnosed. And this is all using machine learning technology in the cloud and also on the watch. So there's, there's, there's that combination of on-device analysis and data collection and, and cloud-based analysis, which is coming into play um, using supercomputing, machine learning, big data, and all that. Once we have you know, a pool of hundreds and thousands or millions of people using these devices, and we can look at that data from a much larger sample size, we'll be able to determine uh, what kind of conditions can be more easily recognized early. So the more data that we collect, the better that we're gonna get at this. So that's, that's really where the future is, is this sort of um, early diagnosis of conditions based on data analysis, right? So companies like AliveCore are pioneering that. Apple obviously is spending a lot of money on it. Um, Microsoft is looking into it. Um, I know Samsung is spending a certain amount of money on it themselves with, with, with their devices. So it'll be very interesting to see um, how, 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 we, how we act as patients. We won't necessarily be going to the doctor anymore when we feel sick. We may be going to the doctor the minute our device says something may be coming up or the doctor may call us even before the device tells us something is coming up because he'll get the alert first. Wow, that's really interesting. You know, the possibilities, uh, you know, really are endless uh, with this. So, uh, you know, Jason uh, Cipriani, we'll go back to you here talking a little bit more specifically about the players in this market. Uh, where's Google? And, you know, are we hearing anything from Huawei here? Yeah, Huawei's had their, you know, Android or Wear OS watches for a while now. And, and they've had some really good watches that they've come out with. Um, but no, we're not hearing anything specifically from them. I think Sh Xiaomi has, you know, a, a large market share. They're another Chinese company as far as fitness trackers go, but they're more basic trackers. They're not, as far as I know, um, they don't have products right now that are anywhere near on uh, health level parity, uh, feature parity, as with like the Apple Watch and everything. And I just want to take a minute to say how fascinating and amazing and fun it is to know that we're living in a time where we can wear all those devices Jason was just talking about on our wrist. And, and you know, the potential is there for uh, us to be a lot healthier without really having to take a, a very uh, dramatic approach at going to the doctor all the time and getting tests done and all of that. And uh, to me, it just, it blows my mind and it makes, it makes me happy that we're living in a time where we're, we're right on the edge of, of everyone as a whole is being healthier in that, you know, when fitness trackers first came out, we had our sleep stats, we had a step count and that was it. And you were kind of just told, all right, here's how many steps you took today, but you didn't really have any actionable data from that. And, you know, there was all these guidelines, 6,000 steps a day, 10,000 steps a day that came out. And this is how much sleep you, sh you should get. But and in some regards, it's still the same thing. There's no way of turning that data into something that meaningful like for example if you got a bad night of sleep you know if you get less than six hours of sleep on average you take three thousand less steps the next day you know there's there's companies that are trying to do that but no one has really put all of it together the silos that jason's talking about you know ecgs and glucose and all these other things that we can monitor are very actionable items but as a whole uh the health portion of the wearables that we wear every day i think need to get better at telling us exactly what that data means and you know, what kind of week we can expect to have if we start off with a couple of nights of bad sleep and ways to improve that. Yeah, you're right, Jason. It is it's it is exciting to be uh, to see all of this coming to fruition. And we talked so much about the cost of healthcare and how it's just it, it costs so much and so many people can't afford it. And uh, hopefully this will help, you know, bring the costs down and we get ahead of things instead of trying to play catch up.
Yep, exactly. And that's what I'm most excited about. You know, uh, as a freelancer, I pay for my health insurance out of pocket and it is an astronomical number that I have to pay each month on top of huge deductibles. So if I'm able to be more uh, not reactive to disease or issues and other stuff that comes up and be more proactive and that's able to save me money in the end, then I'm, you know, I'm all for it. Yeah, it's a great thing. All right, Jason Perlo, any final thoughts here on the wearables? Well, I, I got to say, you know, you, you know, thinking about all these technologies that are being introduced and all these sensors, you know, we're living in the Star Trek age, right? You know, like not to promote one of our other properties, you know, Star Trek Discovery, which by the way is one of my favorite shows in existence. You know, you look at the technologies that they show, uh, that they used to show in the original Star Trek, you know, in the 1960s and the one in the next generation, the 80s. And now we're seeing, you know, sort of the evolution of that uh, in, in the new show. Um, it's really fascinating to see how these technologies are becoming reality. Maybe not implemented in the exact most dramatic way that they have on Star Trek, where literally the doctor can just point this thing and say, oh, you got a cold, right? Um, but we're getting there in terms of, the, in terms of the, on, the wearable sensors that we have. We'll be able to get us close to that level of precision and, and, and predictability um, that we see on, on shows like Star Trek uh, Discovery. So. Um, I think it's phenomenal uh, that we have access to these technologies as private citizens, um, that we have more control over our, our lives, that, you know, things aren't just aren't necessarily just going to happen randomly and hit us, you know, uh, you know, oh, I'm sorry, but, but you have a heart condition. And no, you'll know. You'll, you'll know from the second you put that device on that you have a heart condition. You need to address it immediately. I mean, that was what happened to me. Right. Um, that's how I got into this whole wearable thing was when uh, a year ago I bought the, the Apple Watch Series 3 and um, I was playing with it and I signed up for Apple Watch's heart study um, that they did with Stanford University. And that was the initial part of their data collection uh, when they had about, I think it was over, I don't know, 100,000 plus uh, people participating in it. And I was one of the people during the first three or four days of that study where they said, oh, Mr. Perla, you have, uh, we picked up something really weird. You should talk to one of our doctors on FaceTime. And I did that. And they sent me a heart monitor device called a halter. It's a little thing that's packed onto your, to your chest. And it collected data for 10 days. And then as part of that, uh, and that device, by the way, now has the ECG sensor that is now built into the, the current generation of watches. But that determined that I had what they called AFib, um, atrial fibrillation. I had a 28% AFib burden. Had that gone undetected, right, within a few years, I probably would have died of a stroke, okay? So it was because of that detection of that AFib condition, I was able to have what they call a, um, an ablation, which is a procedure in which they go in with, um, with uh, it, it's actually fairly non-invasive. They go up through the veins and they do a, uh, an MR, a, a CT scan map of your entire anatomy of your heart, a three-dimensional scan, just like Star Trek, just like the medical, the tricorder thing, right? They take a complete 3D image of, of your heart. And that's there for like, when they do the operation, they transpose that image onto the live X-ray so that when the doctors are going in with these, with these probes uh, up your, um, your, your, your veins, that they, they do this, uh, what they call an RF ablation, where they use radio frequency energy on different spots on the inside of your heart chambers of what they would call, you know, bad, bad electrical connections. They short the bad electrical connections so that the, the good electrical connections can take over and essentially 
uh, get your heart back into a working normal rhythm. So my heart is now a normal rhythm again. Um, and, and I don't have AFib because they corrected it. But that is all because of Apple's heart study. Now, today, people don't need that heart study. If they have an Apple Watch Series 4, this watch will detect AFib immediately and tell you, you have atrial fibrillation, go see somebody, right? So that's the outcome of, of all this research is that we're gonna have this much better prediction of, 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 uh, of conditions. More lives are gonna be saved than ever before. And, I, and, and I'm so happy, um, and I'm an Apple Watch customer now for life because of that. So um, that's sort of the, 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 the good story at, at the end of all. Yeah, most certainly. That's quite a firsthand account, Jason. So uh, you were definitely uh, fortunate that you had access to that and were able to find that out uh, early on, like you said. So Jason Cipriani, we'll, we'll finish with you, Jason. I don't know if you have quite a firsthand account that, that good to share, but, but any final thoughts here to wrap up? <laughs> no, I, you know, I really can't match that. And I love that story. You know, when Jason first wrote about it, it was shared far and wide. And I know um, it meant a lot to a lot of people. I have family members who have had AFib and had to go through the process without being alerted early. So yeah, I, you know, it just goes to show what we're talking about here about the impact that wearables and the technology that we could pack, companies can pack into something that is worn on our wrists can truly have. And, and you know, there's no better story than what Jason just shared with us. So yeah, that's a good one to end on. Yeah, most certainly highlights uh, the technology in the best way possible. So, uh, all right, you guys. Well, I thank you for your uh, discussion here on wearables. And for much more on wearables, make sure you check out ZDNet. We thank you for watching Jason Squared.